morning. Happy New Year. 2022. It has arrived. Two days into it, feels about like 2021. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, uh, just like Josh said, uh, Pastor Rick and his family uh, are mainly in Japan doing their quarantine. Uh, although not all of them are up there. The, the two younger boys are, are back here. Are they in here this morning? So I did stop by, Pastor Rick, if you're listening, and checked in on the boys. You're in for a treat when you go home, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I didn't stop by. I mean, the house might be destroyed, but I don't know anything about it, so. Get clean, guys. So uh, last two weeks, uh, we've had uh, guest speakers come. We had Chaplain Owen last week. Uh, who came and spoke in Luke, really powerful message. Um, And so I'm filling in today, and I pray that the words that God speaks, uh, you know, that they're encouraging for you, and and probably as we're going into the new year, that they're timely, and and you can relate. Uh, And so I hope they're uplifting for you. Uh, But it really is an honor to be here and to speak and... um, Look at God's Word together. A few years ago, um, probably several years ago, actually, um, my wife and I, we got orders to South America. And after we completed uh, language training, uh, the Marine Corps was going to send me to uh, a one-week high-intensity course. And it was really geared towards preparing me for some pretty extreme situations. Um, funnest week of my life. In fact, I felt a little guilty that I was getting paid to go and do it. Uh, but it was, it was a really good time. And the beginning of the course, it had a lot to do with um, driving vehicles. So we, they took us to tracks and, and these old police vehicles. We chased each other around and tried to catch one another and slowly started to ramp up in our, our skills. And then we started going into... Uh, uh, spinning each other out, so the pit maneuver, you've all seen the show Cops, right? Cops are high pursuit, and they kind of nudge the rear bumper, and the car spins. It's a controlled spin. <laughs> spins out of control. Um, and then we actually got to, I know we got some MPs in here, uh, military police, sorry. Um, they've probably done the training and, and know what I'm talking about, but it's pretty exhilarating. Uh, and then towards the last portion of of the driving, they taught us actually how to ram a roadblock. So they put us behind uh, the steering wheel of a car and parked the car in front of us. And just what it sounds like, you just run through the car. (laughs) Pretty awesome, right? Uh, Then the course started to transition into um, how to escape and evade, um, being tied, duct tape, zip ties, you know, bondage in general. and finally got into into handcuffs. And they taught us how to pick locks, how to use simple materials and and fabricate or create your your tools to to work the lock. Um, And and they told us, the instructors, they said every night, you know, you need to practice this because it's, you know, your skills need to to build on your skills for the test that was going to happen on the end of the week. They didn't give us any details, but so every night, let me just paint the scene for you, all right? My wife, my two-year-old son, almost two, one, sitting in a hotel room, probably watching Mickey Mouse 
Clubhouse on TV, eating pizza. And there I am on the floor, handcuffed, moaning and groaning, trying to work the lock. I think my wife actually enjoyed it because she got the remote control for the entire time. Um, so skills started to get, get better. Um, a portion of the course also, they took us to this small town and they dropped us off. And our task was to identify if anyone was following us, right? If we were being um, followed. Um, so little by little, these skills, man, I, I started to feel like Jason Bourne, right? Like picking locks, driving the car super fast, which by the way, I haven't ran a roadblock to date or crashed into another car on purpose, um, but I am looking for the opportunity when I see it. <laughs> Only in the rental car, right? Don't be gentle, it's a rental. So going through the week, uh, finally get to, to Friday, and they put me and my fellow classmates in the room. One by one, they pull us out. We know what they do, right? And student would come back, they wouldn't say anything, they weren't allowed to. So it was my turn, they grabbed me, they take me out, immediately they blindfold me, and they pat me down. Now they were searching for my tools, right? That I'd made earlier that week, um, and I had hidden them, and I'll tell you where I hid them in a minute. Uh, but they, you know, they didn't want to make it too obvious. They pat us down, making sure that we didn't have any handcuff key on us. That would be a little, a little cheating. Um, so once they were, they were satisfied, um, you know, they handcuffed me, and then quickly realized that they're placing me in the trunk of a car, right? And when I started to feel them placing me into the trunk of the car, I immediately got concerned. I'm like, I'm six feet tall. I hope this isn't like a Volkswagen bug or something, because I'm going to be like a pretzel inside. Um, but it wasn't. It was actually, to my surprise, it was a rather large trunk, very large trunk. And at first, I was pretty happy about it, right? Like I could kind of maneuver around, maybe get to my tools that I had strategically placed. Um, but then it happened. The driver gets in the car and he's gone, just accelerates. And I immediately go flying to the back of the trunk, right? I just slam my face into the side of the trunk. I'll give you kind of a visual if you think of an empty two liter Coke bottle, just take a little pebble, put it in the, and just shake it around like that. That's exactly what it felt like. Right, and this was not a paved road, so he's turning left, turning right, slamming on the brakes, and there I am just getting tossed around. I have no idea where I am, where's up, what's down. I'm blindfolded, hands behind my back, um, all the while trying to get to my keys, which I had actually taped to the bottom of my foot, right, under my sock. Pretty smart, right? No. It was not smart because my feet are all the way on the other side of the trunk, and I'm trying to reach said feet as I'm getting tossed around and the driver would turn to the right and I'd go flying to the, to the left, my right. Um, he'd turn it the other way, I'd go, I was just getting bounced around. Finally, I was able to kind of brace myself up, up against the wall, um, got my, my tool and started to work the lock, um, sweating, it was hot, it was in Virginia in the middle of the summer. Um, yeah, finally, that click, I heard it. My hands finally come free. Well, now, now I've got to sit there and wait, right? You can't just like jump out of the trunk when you're doing 40 miles an hour. It doesn't end so well. Um, so I sat there patiently waiting, waiting for the car, just kind of slow down, waiting for my opportunity to, 
to take off. And I located the, the cord in the trunk to, to do the release mechanism on the trunk. I started to hear the squeal of the brakes, right? The driver was slowing down. Wait, this is it. This is my opportunity. Car stops. I yanked on the, uh, the cable. The trunk shoots open. The sun, remember I was blindfolded. The sun just blasted me in the face. And I, I crawled my way out of that trunk. Well, I was like the third monkey trying to get on the ark. It was just desperation trying to get out. I, I kind of felt like, like Jason Bourne going into it, um, but I kind of felt like Paul Blart, the mall cop. <laughs> when I came out, it was not, my confidence was, I'm all sweaty, I think my shoes were missing, and I don't know, I didn't know what happened. It happened so fast. I will submit to you that I have just described what the year 2021 felt like. <laughs> Can some of you relate to that, maybe? Maybe you were, didn't really know what was in front of you. Uh, maybe you kind of felt like you were getting tossed around. And, and maybe for most of us, we were just along for the ride, right? We had no control over what was going on. So I, I know some of you can relate. Um, again, I, I pray that you know, God's Word speaks to you today. Our passage today is going to be in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And I'll have you turn there, and then if I could have you stand like we do in respect to God's Word, we'll read through the, uh, these verses. Verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 27 says, Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Verse 28 says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God clothes, so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in, into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, I ask that you bless this time in your word. 
May your message be heard today and that we apply your teachings in our lives. May our actions reflect your truths. May others see your light in our lives for your glory. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. When you do, you say hi to someone, say Happy New Year. It'll be okay. So a couple weeks ago, Pastor Rick, he reached out to me and asked, would I mind filling in for him? And I'll be honest, I was a little surprised. Um, I've never preached before, and if I'm completely honest, I was fairly hesitant uh, to agree to doing this. Um, I'm pretty sure I told Pastor Rick when we were talking that I kind of feel like Moses, you know, when God appeared to him and called him and said, you know, I need you to go back into Egypt. Remember Aaron, his response, right? He said, it's not me you want. It's my brother Aaron. He's the speaker. In my case, it's absolutely true. My, my father's a pastor. My brother is a pastor. And they would be far better qualified to preach in front of you today. Um, both extremely dynamic preachers and are very comfortable behind the pulpit. So um, I had that sensation when Pastor Rick asked me. Um, nonetheless, I did agree that I would pray and I would ask God's direction. And the very next morning in my quiet time, I had been working my way through, through the book of Matthew. And that morning, I was in Matthew chapter 6. Just so happened, right? Coincidence? started reading, and I got all the way down to verse 25. And in bold, the title, what's it say? Do not worry, right? His message was clear. I'd asked God for a clear direction, and he delivered. In fact, uh, the passage spoke much deeper than whether or not I should preach or not. My journey the last few months had been a combination of extreme uh, moments of happiness uh, as the growth in our family uh, a couple months ago, my daughter. I'd experienced celebrations related to work, uh, both for myself and for my wife. But there'd also been intermittent pain, uh, a college roommate, uh, well, not a college roommate, a roommate from the basic school uh, had lost his life. I mourned with another college friend who lost his father, another college friend who lost his mom and his sister to COVID, only a week apart from each other. I was saddened to hear that a coworker and a friend from my last duty station had lost his fight with cancer. A couple weeks ago, I discovered that a former supervisor had also lost his fight with cancer. And most recently on Wednesday, one of my best friends from high school lost his father. All these losses occurred since October. It had been a few months of just intense happiness mixed with mourning and sadness. It was a roller coaster. As the weeks progressed, I began to feel the weight of anxiety and stress and, and not really knowing what the upcoming year was going, was going to bring. I often found myself contemplating 
the frailty of life and its relative short duration. What about you? I'm sure most of you know in this room what it feels like to get that phone call that um, you don't want to get or the news that you see that really takes your breath away. I would imagine most of you are probably going to that moment right now. Scripture says in James 4, life, it is even the vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That morning God spoke to me. He presented the very words I needed to hear. Without realizing it, I began to worry about things that were entirely out of my control. So this morning, I've titled the message, You're Not Jason Bourne. (laughs) Newsflash. Perhaps there are mixed feelings as we go into the new year. Maybe some of you went into 2021 feeling like Jason Bourne, full of confidence, maybe optimism in the new year. Perhaps it didn't actually manifest the results that you'd hoped for. As we begin the new year, you may find yourself really unsure what to think about 2022. The fact of the matter is, though, that we weren't in control in 2020. We weren't in control in 2021. The prophet Nehemiah cries out in chapter 9, verse 6, You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts. The earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, you give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. Here Nehemiah is highlighting God's cosmic control over the universe. He holds all things together from the palm of his hand, just like we sing in the songs. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. How minor are my current struggles, your struggles, compared to the cosmos? Just think about that. Well, here's some good news. We're not in control of 2022. God is. Let's turn our attention back to the text, back in Matthew 6, 25. By way of introduction into the chapter, uh, here we find Jesus addressing the disciples uh, near Galilee. Got a, a photo. I actually took I had the opportunity to go to Israel uh, many moons ago, and dug this out of our album. Um, I believe I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, this is a photo that that we took at the location where we believe that. Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Um, of course, there's a behind me, you'll see this big, giant church built there, and it's kind of a memorial kind of thing. But anyway, just wanted to capture the, the scenic view, and I, I want to highlight God's creation, because Jesus will use uh, his creation to really drive home his point in, in these verses. Uh, so be thinking about what you're seeing. You have the Sea of Galilee in the backdrop. You've got the flowers and, and the creatures you know, probably flying around. Um, and, and Jesus will, will call on them. 
as an example. Like I said, this is where we believe Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount, which is captured in, in chapter 6. And in this chapter, we see Jesus, he's laying out the manner in which to do things. Specifically, he's highlighting the actions that are generally done by teachers and professors, which the disciples that he was speaking to, they were being trained to become. He's identifying areas in which the Pharisees themselves were actually performing. They were doing these things. However, their motives were not really being done for God's glory. Rather, these religious leaders were seeking their own recognition and their praise. Their actions were good, but their hearts were misaligned. The beginning of the chapter addresses hypocrisy and humility when doing charitable deeds. It talks about how to come before God the Father in prayer and talks about how to fast. Jesus then begins to provide warnings to his audience and not conforming to this world. For our time today, I, I, I want to look at the last portion of the chapter. I do encourage you to go back and read the full chapter. Uh, but for today, we're going to uh, pick things back up in verse 25. We read there again. It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We're given the command here to turn from our own lack of trust and really have faith in God's ability to provide for us. God reminds us that is not the mere fact that we're alive harder than providing for us. Our physical presence comes from the all-powerful God, our Creator. Surely He can clothe us. Caring for a child is relatively simple when you compare it to actually creating new life in the womb, right? I mean, I can take care of my children, but the, the miracle that occurs within the womb, that is God's creation. We'll see later in verses 29 through 30 that he also has a deep pleasure to provide for our needs. He longs to see his children seek his provision and his mercy. To illustrate this point, I, I began to think about my youngest daughter, Hannah, who's actually back there right now sleeping. And at two months, she is entirely dependent on her mother and me for everything. When she needs something, she lets us know quite often. And although she's not screaming my name, not yet anyway, she's screaming, she's not saying my name, I know she's calling out for me, right? She's telling me she needs something. And there are fewer precious moments as a parent than to fill that need. To hold her in my arms, to give her a bottle, the pleasure that just surges inside me to see her staring back at me, almost, almost like her trust in me is being restored, right? And that, that eye contact. In the same manner, God longs to provide for his children. We continue in verse 26. 
Next, we see Jesus use reason to describe the value that he places in us. Look at the birds of the air, it reads. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? God is the creator of all things. We read that in Genesis chapter 1. He sustains all that he creates. He provides for every living creature that he places in existence, and that includes you and me. So why then would not the creator provide for us? His very creation created in his own likeness, which we read in Genesis 1.27. God uses the example of a bird, a creature far inferior to capture the dependency the animals have on their maker. Matthew Henry wrote, The fine past fallen man has come to, that he must be sent to the school of the fowls of the air, and that they must teach him. Bless you. We see a similar method in the book of Job, where creation is used to paint an example of this level of dependency. In Job chapter 12, verse 7 through 8, it reads, But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the truth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Matthew Henry's commentary on, on Matthew chapter 6, he highlights the importance of why Jesus uses the, the bird as the example. There are many animals that actually labor and store food, such as the honeybee or the ant, but birds of the air don't. They have a daily reliance on their creature, their creator to provide for their food. This led me to think about the robin, right, birds of the air. Not only does the robin rely on God to provide the worm, but the robin also relies on God to bring the rain that causes the worm to go to the surface. The robin sustained by no talents of its own, no talents, no help from other robins, but his creator. Friends, are there areas in your life that you're trying to produce the rain and the worm? Are we relying on our talents to provide for us? Who gave you those talents? Well, it came from your creator. I thought I had talents until I was thrown in the back of the trunk with handcuffs. And if you're just now joining us online, that sounds really weird. Please go back and hear the beginning uh, of, of the message for context. We continue reading verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, add one cubit to his stature? The New American Standard Bible reads, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, in the original Greek word, either translation is acceptable stature, or adding time. Um, most commentaries believe that it's adding life is probably the most acceptable. That's why I like the New American Standard uh, translation. Um, but what we see here is Jesus is sprinkling a hint of sarcasm in his rhetorical question. Does worrying produce growth? 
Well, in my experience, it produces quite the opposite. When I worry, I get sick to my stomach, I can't sleep, I don't have, you know, I'm restless. It consumes my thoughts and usually distracts me from other areas of my life. I'm confident that the gray hairs that I have stem from worry, mostly from my children. There are numerous scientific studies that have measured the effect of stress and the human body. Results will show that stress over a prolonged period has a direct effect of the brain's function and its cognitive skills. In all cases, those skills are debilitated by stress. Further studies will suggest that it may impact your overall life expectancy. The results appear to be slightly different for males and females, but for all instances, it generates a reduction in mental processing. So the more I worry, the dumber I get, right? We pick it up in verse 28. Again, Jesus asked the question, why do you worry about clothing? And once again, he uses creation to answer the question. Consider the lilies, he says. Now, I don't know squat about lilies, all right? So I had to consult the all-knowing Google for some data, and here's what I found out. They're found all over the world, and in fact, they're the most prevalent flower in Europe in terms of sales and marketing and what have you. They're usually mostly grown for their beauty. However, there are certain species that are grown solely for their edible bulbs. You can actually eat them. Certain types of lilies mean certain things all over the world. The Chinese and Japanese, they believe it to be or mean good luck. Apparently, within Christianity, it's believed to represent chastity and innocence. Again, according to Google. Lilies are believed to have a sweet smell. Actually, they're scentless. Only the white lilies have, are scented. I didn't know that. Lilies have an extremely long vase life. Men, remember that? Lilies are toxic to cats. So, if you like your cats, don't plant any lilies. If you don't like cats, well, there you go. They're known for their world-renowned beauty. Jesus states that Solomon, the wisest man ever recorded in the Bible, in all his glory, he couldn't hold a candle to the beauty of the lilies. God even clothes the fields. He provides fresh grass for today. That same grass that provided its beauty is thrown into the oven tomorrow. The New Living Translation writes verse 30 as, If God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Pastor Chuck Smith, he highlights a contrast here that Jesus is presenting. Jesus is placing a correlation on worrying and how it relates to your faith. In other words, if you're worried about food or clothing, you lack faith. However, if you trust God and completely rely on his provision, you have faith. See, it's impossible to worry and have faith at the same time. They contradict each other. 
Pastor Rob Russell said in his book, and I'm paraphrasing, all I learned in 50 years of ministry, worry is calling God a liar. We are ultimately not believing that God will do what he said he would do for us. Now, I don't even like reading that statement out loud. It literally sends chills through my body saying that. But understanding this relationship, Jesus restates his statement again in verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Jesus is saying, have faith. We continue verse 32. For all these things the Gentiles seek. Other translations use heathen or pagan. The world wonders and worries about these things. This really shouldn't be of any surprise to us. We, we still see that this is true today. The world we live in is lost. Hope is mistakenly placed in one's own ability to provide for our needs. In futility, it's placed in the government, the economy, people of influence, and relationships. Your Heavenly Father who created you knows that you need all these things. There's nothing about you that God doesn't already know. Luke states in chapter 12, verse 7, it says, And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than the whole flock of sparrows. Last portion, verse 33 and 34, we read, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Brothers and sisters, as we cautiously dip our toe into 2022, know that you are loved by the one who created you. Do not worry. He longs for our dependence on him. He stands waiting to fill the needs of his children who cry out to him. Do not worry. He already knows the trials and the celebrations of 2022. Nothing surprises him or catches him off guard. Do not worry. In a world that looks for strength and purpose in all the wrong places, do not conform to this mentality. I pray that we look to God and he alone to be our provider. We read in John 16:33. I encourage you to bookmark or highlight this verse. These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Friends, peace can only be found in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look to God who sustains us. As we close, I'm reminded of a term that's commonly used when riding a motorcycle. It's called target fixation. And it's used in other areas too, but the term refers to where you focus your vision, your motorcycle will instinctively go. For example, if you observe a hazard in the road and you focus your vision on it and you continue to look at it, your hands, your feet, will naturally steer the motorcycle in that direction, and you will you'll hit it. And I know from experience. 
Rather, the key is to observe the hazard and then to focus on your way out. What's your escape route? That's where our focus should be. So let our focus, let us now focus our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. He is the only way out. Amen.